It's another hurricane season, and right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out of pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. Welcome to Caregiver SOS on Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Welcome to Caregiver SOS on Air. Delighted to have you with us. Every week we come to you with a discussion uh, with a special guest talking about issues and opportunities and services and programs as they relate to caregiving. Along with me is our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol serves as the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She is a nationally recognized gerontologist, named one of the nation's top 50 influencers in aging for 2017 by Next Avenue. She's been involved in caregiving and in gerontology for nearly 30 years, and we're delighted, Carol, to have you with us once again. Well, it's always a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to today's show because, you know, you and I exchange a lot of animal cartoons. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I'm always happy to have um, animals intersect with our professional world of caregiving. And if at any time you're tired of the animal cartoons, just tell me and I'll send you people cartoons. Nope. Love, love the animals. Well, we're going to pick up with our guest who is joining us today, and we're really pleased to have her with us. Uh, Kelly Cam is the development director at Four Paws for Ability. As development director, uh, she oversees the identification, solicitation, and development of community, corporate, local, and national funding sources. Kelly earned an Associate of Business Administration degree from the University of Cincinnati, Bachelor of Business Administration from Thomas More University, where she graduated magna cum laude and a master's of business administration from Thomas More University. Again, magna cum laude, all degrees obtained as a working adult. And obviously, Kelly, you are one smart lady. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, I am just really fortunate that I found a passion finally in um, my later life. Um, and that is for Paul's and just really helping people. Now, in 2006, your bio says you first encountered four Paws for Ability. Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, so when I was getting my master's at night, um, we had to write a business plan for either a nonprofit or for-profit. I found four Paws by quick Google search and um met with the founder and just from there fell in love. I wrote a, a cause marketing plan that, you know, four Pauls did not have in place at that time. And when I presented it and graduated, I just kept thinking about four Pauls and how much I think, you know, I, maybe I could help. And so I uh, started volunteering, um, joined the board and then eventually joined staff. Now folks are generally familiar with service dogs. Uh, but most of us don't really understand uh, how a dog can assist in dementia. So 
Tell us about four paws for ability and and what these dogs can do. And I'm assuming it's dogs. Yes, we just use dogs. There are um, service animals also um, recognized by the ADA um, miniature horses, um, but we haven't gone down that road yet. So we're sticking with dogs for now. But um, yeah, so what a service dog can do for a person with um, dementia is they can really do a lot of uh, what we call behavior disruption techniques. So they can really calm the person when they might be having a rough time. And so, for example, um, one of our clients, um, she has since passed, but she used to get very agitated uh, when the sun went down. And I know everyone's probably familiar with that term, sundowners. But um, her husband would then take the dog. This was a little papillon, uh, a toy breed that we place occasionally, put the dog in her lap and said, hey, I think there's a little mat behind the dog's ear. Can you work that out? And immediately she would start to work on that and really start to redirect on what she was upset about. And it was just, you know, such a a blessing for him because, you know, he didn't know how else to help her. And for her, uh, that dog was the answer. Um, The other thing that the dogs can do if any of the clients run or elope is they can be trained to do search and rescue. And so, you know, many of us have heard stories of someone with dementia that, you know, is, you know, I'm going to go take a walk or I'm going to head down to the mailbox and they get lost. And I have a neighbor whose wife regularly uh, ran off. He finally put her in a locked uh, a memory facility, uh, but the police would call him frequently from literally far away from his home where she had turned up. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so the dogs can be trained to be that person's, you know, personal search and rescue dog, um, because sometimes it could be too late. You know, thankfully, in that case that you were referring to, you know, the police were able to find her and bring her back safely. But that's not always the case. Right. And having that dog, um, knowing the scent, being able to track immediately um, has, you know, definitely can save that life. How do you train the animals? Yeah. So all of our dogs are trained in behavior disruption, uh, regardless of whatever the disability is. Even, you know, some of our um, kids that just might have type 1 diabetes, for example, and the dog's a diabetic alert dog. You know, there's always, you know, blood draws and different things like that, hospital stays that you know, the dogs can definitely assist with and in, in comforting them. Um, you know, sometimes medical appointments can be kind of scary, even for people without a disability. So the dogs can help in that way. Um, but um, they're all trained and uh, in behavior disruption. But with the search and rescue, we actually have our um, trainers um, do a tag team and one will hide and one will take the dog and follow the scent. And then once the person with um, Alzheimer's and their caregiver comes to Four Paws for the training to learn how to work with the dog that was trained specifically for him or her, um, they practice that track again and again, and but actually find the real person. Maybe we could train one to find my car keys. By the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerno. We're talking with Kelly Cam. Uh, she's with Four Paws for Ability. We're talking about service dog training 
for folks with dementia and other issues. Carol? Well, I'm curious. So with the search and rescue, do you identify clients who may be a flight risk in advance so that you give them a dog that could search for them if necessary? Well, so um, when the caregiver applies for the dog, they indicate what tasks they would like that dog trained to do. Um, And so generally we'll know right off the bat whether they're, you know, a flight risk or not. If before they actually come to get the dog about, you know, if at least six months ahead of time before they come, if that changes, if they no longer are a flight risk or if they turn to be, you know, turn into a flight risk, we can add that skill and train the dog to do that. But, you know, we just want to make sure is, you know, when they apply and when the contract is written, that we are on the same page and know exactly what um, they're looking for the dog to be able to do. So when you say behavior disruption, um, are you talking about distraction? You know, because I hear behavior disruption, I think of the person's doing something that we need to change. But is it you're like, look over there. Oh, look, a dog. Is that is that distraction or, or is it multiple things? Well, we have different um, tasks um, in within behavior disruption. So it could be things like touch, nuzzle, kiss, lap, over. Um, so, you know, the dog could actually be if, if the, the client is, you know, in distress or upset, um, maybe sundowners, having the dog come over and give the client a kiss. Um, or do a little touch like, hey, pay attention to me, especially if the dog has a cute, you know, tennis ball in his or her mouth and can really make the, the client laugh and smile and just really forget for a minute, you know, hey, wait, um, you don't have to be upset. I'm here. I'm here for you. What can we do? Let's do something together. Um, so really, that's what we mean by behavior, behavior disruption. You know, it's not that the dog will actually know that, the you know, for example, the client is cooking something on the stove, you know, and shouldn't be. The dog is not going to know intuitively, oh, I should be directing, redirecting and distracting and getting them to stop that. That's that's lassie. That's not really realistic. Um, you know, the dog is always going to be with the caregiver. It's not that the dog will ever be with the client um, by themselves because they're not lassie. They're not going to be able to know the difference between, okay, this time, Um, The stove wasn't left on, um, but next time it might not be. Do you know what I mean? So um, we train the dogs to do uh, behavior disruption, and then those commands are given by the caregiver. But eventually the dog will intuitively know, okay, um, she's getting upset. We better, I better go over there and see what I can do to comfort her. Yeah. And what you what you're saying really makes sense, particularly with someone with dementia, because the, you know, a pet, uh, an animal, most likely that person had experience with, some, you know, a dog or a cat or some animal when they were younger. Um, and that that distraction, that innate uh, sense that I need to pet or pay attention, this animal wants my attention, that goes really deep. So that's an ability it's going to stay with the person longer because it's deeper in the file drawer of memories. You know, I remember having a dog or a pet. Um, I know what to do when this, you know, this dog needs attention. So it makes sense that this would be a good connection for a person with dementia. Where do you find the dogs? 
We actually have our own breeding program. So our dogs are born at Four Falls. Um, you know, we, we place um, 120 dogs a year, not, of course, all of those are for dementia. We actually only have one placement um, for Alzheimer's this year. Um, so we've only placed a handful really since we started the program about five years ago. Um, but we mostly serve children. So we, you know, there's no way to find 120 uh, qualified dogs in shelters or rescue groups. That's what, how we started. When, um, but our, our applications are you know, going through the roof. There's just so many um, disabilities out there that, um, that dogs can help with. So that's why, you know, we decided to add Alzheimer's to our program a few years ago, but most of our clients are children um, with autism, actually. And you say you're breeding your own dogs. Is there a breed that you're breeding are uh, from golden retrievers to Papillon to Shizus? What is it you're trying to develop? Yeah. So uh, what we have found over the years is that the family friendly dogs seem to be the one that are easiest to train and get along with, you know, children and and all sorts of adults um, with disabilities. And in the case of, you know, the one client and they did, she did get a Papillon because she did want a smaller dog. Um, another client, she remembered having a lab growing up. And so she wanted a lab. Uh, we don't actually play straight labs, but we'll combine the golden with the lab. And she was very, very happy with that. It reminded her a lot of her, her dog that she had had. All right, hold um, that but- thought. We're going to come right back to you. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Kelly Cam is with us with Four Paws for Ability. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We are so pleased you were with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. A fascinating subject today, talking about four paws for ability. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Kelly Cam is with us. She's with Four Paws, and we're talking about placing service dogs with caregivers who are caring for someone with dementia or other forms of disability. And Kelly, for people who are listening who say, well, you know, I I live in Seattle or I live in Washington, D.C., I live in San Antonio, Texas. Are your dogs available nationwide? Yes, we serve all of North America. Um, you know, the only thing is you will need to come to uh, Xenia, Ohio, where our headquarters is, and learn to work with the dog um, that has already been trained for the client. Um, right now, it's a nine-day class. And um, what's really neat is they are going to be in class with, you know, 10 or 12 other clients as well and get to meet, you know, a network of, of caregivers, basically. And so for folks who come out to uh, Xenia, I grew up in Ohio. I may be one of the only ones listening who knows where Xenia, Ohio <laughs> is. Not exactly a metropolis, but a neat, neat community. Is that where your breeding program is as well? 
Correct. Correct. Uh, yes. Yeah. What's really nice about Xenia is it's very close to the Dayton, Ohio airport, and it's very accessible to most of North America within, you know, a three hour train ride, plane ride um, and pretty easy driving distance for, for most people in the Midwest and such. And um, it's very affordable, too, for our, um, you know, for our supplies and for, you know, rent and things like that. You know, if we were in a, a big me- metropolitan area, it would be very expensive for people to travel there and, and our costs would be much higher, too. So um, even though ma- many people haven't heard of it, it is a really a nice um, bedroom community of Dayton. And our folks there foster families while your puppies are being broken in? Yes. Yes. We utilize um, people that live within a three hour radius so that we're, you know, basically really close to um, Indiana and Kentucky and um, use a lot of um, traditional foster homes as well as what we call um, college uh, volunteer trainers. And so we, we're at many college campuses and, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Ohio, the Ohio State University. You said you're from Ohio, but we have and my master's degrees from the Ohio State University. Oh, oh Bucks. Yeah. We'll go Buckeyes. Yeah, I had no idea. That's wonderful. What a coincidence. But yeah, we have a really big program at Ohio State. And um, so these are wonderful, uh, very dedicated, mature students who take the dogs in uh, and then take them everywhere with them to class and sporting events and, you know, coffee shops and so on. And just gets them used to being out in public and experiencing a lot of people, places and things. Well, you know, in the in the press recently, there's been some pushback on service dogs because of the craziness in the travel industry. So what do people not understand about service dogs? Well, service dogs are a durable medical good. And so they are protected by the Americans with Disabilities Act. And just like a wheelchair, a wheelchair is a durable medical good. So um, you wouldn't bar someone uh, that has a, a wheelchair from coming into your establishment or, um, you know, boarding a plane. They do, um, unfortunately, don't have wheelchair seats. We wish that uh, the airlines would be able to accommodate people that they could just wheel right in with their wheelchairs and not have to be stored and, and you know, carried or led to their seat. But, um, but yeah, service dogs are different from um, emotional support animals. Service dogs uh, you know, are recognized as a durable medical good and have all public access. Um, there are certain places that they are not um, allowed in certain government buildings and such, but, um, you know, any airplane, any um, restaurant, um, school, etc., any public place, um, they are permitted. So it's the emotional support animal that people are confusing with a service animal that has formal training. Correct. And unfortunately, some people do try to fake their uh, personal pets as service dogs. Um, you'll pretty readily be able to identify that they're fake because they won't, they'll, they'll be out of control. They'll be barking or lunging at people or other dogs or, um, you know, being fed people food, things like that. You know, you can tell a difference usually between someone's pet and a highly trained service dog. Um, you know, Ron had asked, you know, how do you get your dogs? Even though we breed our own dogs, only 38% actually become service dogs. Uh, the rest flunk out and they become fabulous, you know, family pets for people. Um, they basically told us, you know, we're not comfortable doing this type of work. 
It's not for every dog. Um, just like all of us are, have different careers and occupations. And you can't be forced into a certain occupation if it's not something that you're comfortable or happy with. So we listen to our dogs. And uh, when people try to use their pets um, and fake them as service dogs, um, it really hurts people with disabilities. With the increasing numbers of folks with uh, dementia across this country, while you so far have not been able to place many dogs into a dementia household, do you see a huge increase in those numbers? You know, we don't get a whole lot of applications, to be honest. It's, you know, one of our smallest programs. and People may not know. That that could be part of it. But then uh, the other part is that sometimes people apply and it's too late. Um, You know, the person might, we had one client that had applied, the caregiver applied, and then they passed away before they got the dog. Um, so what we recommend people is to, you know, as soon as you start to see the signs and you think it would be a good fit for the client, um, go ahead and apply. Um, because it is, we do have a waiting list. You know, we can't place the dogs within two months. Um, we're about two, two and a half years out. And so that's part of the issue is that people, oh my gosh, you know, that's too long to wait. I need something immediate. But um, unfortunately, we just have so much demand for all of our service dogs that we just can't, um, you know, keep up with demand. And we're, and we're trying. We try every day to make that 38% success rate better. What's the cost for people who want to get a service dog from you? Yeah, so uh, for our adults and our children, we also serve veterans. Our veterans are actually free. We find um, other funding for our veterans. But we for our for our um, adult clients, um, the fee for service is twenty thousand um, dollars, and that's a fraction of what it actually costs for paws. It costs for paws between forty and sixty thousand um, to train a service dog. So we do ask our families to to participate and trying to get their dog earlier. Um, if you know organizations that may exist out there that give dogs for free. Um, but our understanding and experience with them is that, you know, these folks are on a waiting list for much longer than that two and a half years because they, you know, they're the, the people on staff at those organizations have to raise all of so, all of those funds. And what we love is, you know, our families can reach out to their communities and so many people are willing to help if they just are asked. Um, because, you know, if you're in a community, it's like, oh, yes, I've seen her walking before. Oh, yeah. I, you know, um, or the police officers. Oh, yeah, we've helped her home before. Um, yeah, let's let's get together and have a fundraiser and, um, you know, start to raise this money so she can have, you know, more safety. And what people may not realize with dementia is, I don't know if this is the most current stat, but we used to say, you know, a person on average would live 10 years with dementia. So, you know, if you somebody has mild cognitive impairment, even that you think may or may not become a full-blown dementia, that's a great time uh, to go ahead and put your name on. And I, and even if mild cognitive impairment stays that way, uh, that's, that service animal is still going to be a, a great help and a comfort to that person uh, in moments of confusion and frustration. Carol, you've had experience with a dementia in your family. Can you see how a dog would have been very helpful? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a, it's a, it's a warm, positive response most of the time, right? You put a well-trained animal where there's no fear that I'm going to get knocked over or a lot of barking and distraction, a well-trained animal um, that can sense and know 
when I need distraction and comfort um, is going to be a positive. You know, you and I have talked about um, the robot animals because not everybody can get a, a live animal. And there was a story of a, a person that got a robot animal and they had not, they had a language when they were a child that they hadn't spoken in, you know, their entire adult life. And they started speaking to the animal in their native language, even though the family thought that they had forgotten it. I mean, that's how deep, uh, you know, that relationship can be in drawing out a person. Before we run out of time, Kelly, can you uh, give us an overview of uh, how you apply for the dogs, where there's a website, and maybe some thoughts on how these animals can help people? Absolutely. Uh, our website is the number four, pause, P-A-W-S, four, F-O-R, ability.org. And um, the application is on our website. Um, yeah, absolutely. We just encourage everyone to check it out. And, um, you know, if you would like um, to contact us and talk to another family that already has um, an Alzheimer or dementia service dog, um, we're happy to put you in touch. If, you know, you might think, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Um, and it might not be. There are lots of tools out there. Um, this is just one in the fight against trying to, um, you know, care properly for someone with this type of um, disability. It's neat to know the relationship you have with the Ohio State University. Love it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Kelly. We really appreciate it. Kelly Cam, Development Director at Four Paws for Ability out there in Xenia, Ohio. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. The Texas Law Guns have helped thousands of Texas families fight for justice against big insurance companies. So it's no surprise they've been voted best injury attorneys in San Antonio six years in a row. Year after year, the choice for the toughest and best lawyers in San Antonio is clear. Javier Villarreal and Alex Beacon are the Texas Law Guns. Call anytime, any day at 210-8000. That's 210-800-0000.